I'm Liana. And I'm Sam. And welcome to On Thursdays We Thrive podcast. We're just two Long Island licensed therapists who want to sit down and have real conversations about mental health, therapy, and just getting through the damn day. So grab your coffee or tequila, have a seat, and get ready to thrive, learn, explore, and grow with us. All righty, welcome to our first episode of On Thursdays We Thrive podcast. I'm Liana. And I'm Sam, and we're so excited to be here with you guys and share this experience with you all. We've been literally talking about making a podcast for how long? I mean, a little bit, like, I don't know. I think I've been, it's been on my mind for a little bit. And then when you said you were open to it, I was like, yes. Yeah, and I even texted you, like, how serious are you about creating a podcast? Like, are you kind of messing with me or are we actually going to try to implement this? I know, I know. With pandemic, I mean, I don't know, for me, it's like, there's so many ideas we can come into and it's like, right. okay, just because I'm bored and I have nothing else to do and like everything shut down or is this actually going to happen? No, so. exactly. And so let's kind of maybe tell them a little bit of like who we are and what kind of population we work with and you know yeah. how we met and what's going on. So, I mean, I'll, I'll start it off just so again, I'm Sam and my title is an LMSW, which is a licensed master of social work. So I work with a population of more, you know, youth board and um, children. So ages, I don't know, I can work from with a five-year-old to really, you know, teenagers and adolescents. And then also I'm working with, you know, older adults and family therapy and sometimes couples therapy. So, you know, I got put into a COVID grant. So I'm helping a lot of people during the pandemic and everything. And you've been at our job a lot longer than I have. Yeah, I mean, I've only been there for a year now. Um, but I mean, you work with such a wide variety. I mean, to be honest, I am not one to work with kids. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's so hard. I mean, I work with mainly adults. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, aka LMHC, and a credentialed alcohol and substance abuse counselor. So I'm like all about the adults and teens, kind of like, you know, yeah. and- um, so I've been at our agency for a year now. I started right before the pandemic and you kind of got in after we got back into the office, right? Right. And immediately it was like telehealth. So I was, yeah, totally caught off guard with that. And, you know, we were going into the office to do that. And, um, yeah, I think it's just also, it's just so interesting you having a different, you know, different credentials than I do, but yet we have such similar mindsets, you know? just in when I first met you and how I just felt like we kind of clicked in that way. It was, you know, really interesting for me and to just adapt to our agency overall. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of funny, like how we met, we were at an employee appreciation lunch. I mean, we met prior, you know, in the office when you first came in and it's like, hello, I'm Liana, (laughs) you know? Um, And then we were sat next to each other and we started talking about things that like we both identified with. And I was like, yes, this girl gets me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like connection is so important. And just to know that you have a similar mindset and, you know, the way that we both work you know, that we practice with clients and so forth. It's so important to kind of know who you can connect with to also, you know, consult with if there's issues going on mm-hmm. and, you know, just to kind of double check yourself. So 
let's kind of shift gears to like what got us into this field like who the heck wants to be a therapist and why did you even <laughs> want to start this so why did you become a therapist oof I mean I think it's so funny I have clients who've said to me like I mean how can you be not be in this field and like have your own shit that you've dealt with I'm like mm, you're right <laughs> so good I mean, point Yeah, I wanted to be a therapist probably since like 16. I mean, Mm. you know, I've struggled with my own like depression, anxiety, and as like a a chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, there's like a difference between depression when it's situational. And then if there's like a chemical imbalance where we have lower serotonin levels, uh, situational, which would would pretty much be like my parents got divorced and I've been depressed. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's different kind of treatment plans that you would go about that. So you know, I always felt like there would not be that person that would understand me because you know best what's going on in your head and you feel alone, or at least that's how I felt. And I wanted to be that person for other individuals that understood, not Mm -hmm. just because of my own experience, but also because I feel like I just have an extra level of empathy. Um, Like I can Mm -hmm. really sit with someone and like imagine myself in their shoes and like be present with them. And, you know, as the years progressed, I was always very cognizant of my own mental health and different stressors that I've dealt with, whether it was, um, you know, disordered eating, um, exercise, body image, anxiety, depression, medication. And I'm grateful that, you know, my family was open to giving me the help I needed. And it's funny, even though I knew I wanted to be in this field, I went to college and I was kind of like tip tapping and like different majors. I don't know why I think I just didn't know. I thought it was literally like, if you weren't a psychologist, like you got to do something else. Like I didn't know <laughs> that you could like be a social worker, be a mental health counselor, right. not have to get your PhD. Yes. Um, so at one point I went into like even going into education and I was like, I literally wow. sat in my history class one day in college and I was like, I don't want to do this. Oh my yeah. God. Like, you know, when like, for me, I realized, um, I don't want to have to go through all these classes and internships and, and I don't even know what they're called for something that I, I'm not passionate about. Right. Exactly. And I'm so grateful that I like, I rushed to my advisor's office and I was like, how can I graduate in four years? Um, and then <laughs> go and get my master's after, because I knew I was going to have to do that. And the way I found out about mental health counseling was I was sitting in the nail salon and a family friend of ours walked in and we were talking about, you know, just life. And she was telling me she was a mental health counselor. And I said, what is that? She was telling me a little bit about like the therapy she does. And I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and that's something I always strive to like educate my clients about who are, you know, looking into different majors, like do your own research. You know, I wish I did my own research and found it out about mental health counseling, social work, all these different avenues. Right. And so I was looking up programs and I finally found one. I ended up going um, to St. John's in Queens. And um, I always had a deep passion for, you know, the substance abuse population, um, individuals, you know, and, and through the experience, I've learned, I guess, what I am good at and what I like and types of populations I strive in. Um, and so currently I work with substance abuse, primary individuals, as well as their loved ones, um, because we know addiction is a family disease and that'll definitely be a future episode. Um, (laughs) and I work with, you know, 
individuals with anxiety, depression, and then also um, domestic violence or trauma survivors. Right. And, uh, and then I also do private practice on the side. So a lot of the same stuff over there as well. And I mainly work with um, teens, young adults, adults, um, I've done couples counseling, family counseling, and yeah, I love it all. I wouldn't go back for a day. I don't think I can do anything else. No, I yeah. can't. But I mean, I, this is where, you know, I'm destined to be today and I'm so grateful. That. So, um, yeah, that's about it. What about you? What led you to be in this wild field? It's, you know, it's somewhat similar in the sense that, and I just, you know, I love hearing just people's passion, you know, that I feel like, yeah, that's similar to how I felt. And I just love hearing even just you say like, you know, this is where I feel like I'm meant to be. And it's certain instances that come up for me that I'm like, you know, as, as hard as this field is, it's the times where we feel success or we hear that we mm. change someone's life in a sense or even little progress. And those are the things that it's like, all right, like I'm, I'm supposed to be here. And it started honestly, like when I was in seventh grade, I remember writing on like my career worksheet, like I want to be a counselor. And I used to ask the psychologist in the school, how did you get to where you are? Mm. You know, and I remember her saying, oh, seven years of school or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh, forget that, yeah. you know, whatever. But I always wanted to be like that friend for other people. And I, you know, I would try to, I think I was, my dad especially is very empathetic and my mom too, but he, you know, was the type of person who cried if, when you spoke. Mm. So I think I took that on and I would just try to show that to other people of like, you know, I'm here, I could be that person for you. And you know, middle school, I don't even know what I knew or what I didn't know. But I knew that it was the few people that were like, you know, thanks for being that friend or, you know, thanks for being there for me. And, oh, you should be a counselor or something. And for some reason, it stuck. Mm -hmm. And then I just kept going with it. Um, and there were times where it totally, you know, took over where I, you know, empathized too hard mm. and had to totally learn that process of how to separate and how to kind of take care of myself in that instance and not you know totally enmesh myself in someone else's life over myself um to interrupt you I've actually gotten that question from people who oh yeah knew I was a therapist they were like how do you like disconnect yourself from people sharing these yeah. things with you you know because it is so easy to become enmeshed especially when we hear it all day but even if just right. like you're not a therapist of course and like your friend is venting to you and how do you disconnect so we're definitely going to yeah. get more of that um almost like compartmentalizing certain things when needed yes. for our own mental health yes exactly and that was a growing point in itself and once I started to finally do that I was like oh I could handle this like I can do mm. things like this I just want to learn the proper skills how because right now I'm just kind of shooting things out and you know just trying to be there for someone and I you know my first major was like dietetics and like wanting to be a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. um, and I had actually struggled with a lot of disordered eating and things like that. I, you know, ran track and was very passionate about that. But somehow it always related back to I want to be there for someone else. I want to mm. be a counselor for someone else. I want to somehow help other people. But yet I wasn't, again, taking care of myself. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, maybe if I get into, uh, you know, being a trainer or something, I can help people in that way. Maybe I can connect the two later on. And 
I realized, you know, like, regardless of what my passion was at the time, it always was wanting to be a therapist or a counselor. So I went um, and switched my major to psychology when I transferred. And it was such an eye opening experience of like, you know, wow, there's so many different avenues, like you're saying, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't really even know what a licensed mental health counselor was until one of my internships. And I had no idea what social work was. I thought it was like someone who takes children away. Yeah. And I hate to say it like that. <laughs> I, too. I thought they were just like people who would just like do a lot of paperwork in case. Yes. But not realizing like, and they can do that, but just like a lot of like therapy. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, and you know, the psychology aspect of it was so cool and like learning, you know, the science behind it all. So I love having that as a bachelor's. Um, but when I, was kind of, I think it was my senior year in a clinical psychology class I was taking. And they like had a list of things of like what the different places are that you can start as a therapist. And they were kind of going into like all the testing that psychologists do and things like that. And I was like, what? Like, I thought, I don't I want thought this we were doing piece. like, yeah, I was like, I thought we were like counseling. And yeah, then they mentioned social work and they're like, this is more like the counselor and this is more of the person that's going to sit and talk with you holistically. And I was like, that's it. So, you know, then I wanted to get into that. And so I got my master's in that and I learned so much in such a short amount of time. And I watched myself grow through it and be challenged in different ways. And now I'm just kind of like, how can I learn the next thing? How can I help someone else? And like I said, it definitely is a struggle. Um, and we have to be kind of aware of how we're having what's called counter transference. And mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, that's, you know, kind of taking on the pain. It's like empathizing, but maybe you had gone through something pretty much similar and now it's affecting you and you can't practice in the way that you want to. It creates like a bias in our work. Exactly. And so, yeah, now, now I'm here (laughs) and I really, really love it. And I love the environment I'm in. And again, it's so important to have that support system around you through like your colleagues and family. And I, you know, was always grateful to have that supportive family around me and friends and you know it just it's very helpful in the growing process of it yeah and like that's where I feel like you and I probably feel blessed that we had that support because I mean it's funny like as I talk to more people whether it's like friends family members and like clients therapy is not normalized for them and it's wild to me you know but like that's the reality of it it's stigmatized and you know I think in society we're doing a better job but we can definitely do better and that's a reason why we actually want to start this podcast for you guys listening because we wanted to like make therapy not as scary and not as like this taboo thing that is just not like if I I think everyone should have a therapist I mean I couldn't imagine myself not I, I mean being in therapy in my life. Um, and we actually got a lot of great questions, which we'll go through in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do a Q and a segment about kind of misconceptions regarding therapy, how to access therapy, things that might turn us away. Um, so that's like our mission and goal, make, making it more relatable as our discussions and like bringing up topics that everyone can relate with yes. um, is where people too. So That, and I love your point of just like discussing therapy for a therapist too. And I definitely thought for the longest time, well, and we can get into this deeper in a little bit, but um, it definitely was an eye-opening experience. Like, wait a minute, you could be a therapist 
and also have therapy yourself. And there are, and as much as, you know, okay, that's spoken about a lot more now, it's like a lot of people still are not aware of that. And it has helped me so much. And also just to be, to normalize, like you can be a therapist and still have anxiety. Like, wait, you can, like, you can still be struggling. And I have a lot of clients who will say to me, like, oh, your life must be perfect. Like your relationships, your everything. I'm like, you'd know, you'd think, but no, it's harder for us to take our own advice sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even like with the pandemic, which we'll get into after our break, Mm -hmm. like this was the first time that we've been through something that everyone else is currently going through. Like we're currently going through it at the same time as anyone else that we see. So it it's it was definitely a roller coaster. So um, we're gonna take a quick little break, and then we will come back and talk a little bit about the pandemic and kind of going back into society and what that looks like. Okay, and we're back. So we want to start off with a quick disclaimer that. This podcast and things in general of social media should never be your supplement for seeking individual therapy that although we may be providing what we describe as psychoeducation, like informing you of, you know, mental health tips or things that can help you overall, um, this should never be a supplement for individually being tailored to your own needs. And that's, you know, the benefit of therapy. And you know, some of you may not agree with everything that we say, and that's absolutely fine. This is just the way that Liana and I practice and, you know, our background, and we're always willing to learn with you guys and, you know, hear back, you know, hear feedback from you, things like that. So we just wanted to put that in there that you should always seek your own mental health therapy. Yes. And because we don't know everything, shocker, (laughs) uh, we are planning to have some really cool guests on for people that we've worked with that we know of um, that specialize in things that we don't. So uh, that's the really exciting thing about the future episodes. And we're going to learn with you guys. So, um, so I figured that we figured that we would kind of go into the discussion of how we cope or how we as in you all and us cope with the pandemic and, you know, I guess this gray area, like, right. Like we went into quarantine. It was like, okay, don't come out of your houses. Mm -hmm. And now people are getting the vaccine, which is amazing. And things are, you know, restrictions are lifting, but it's like, how do we cope with going back to the office? Right. Or like going back to school. Like a lot of people I've spoken to have, had really bad anxiety about going back to school and um or seeing their families right like summer's coming and our plans are going to change so um sam what how have you kind of coped with it and like how have you seen other people cope with it so of course when it first started i think well i don't want to speak for everyone but a majority of us i feel had this idea that it wasn't gonna last long and Mm. This sounds, of course, repetitive because this is what a lot of people are discussing now. But just in reference to how much it's, you know, had an evolution of where we're at now and just changed completely. And so it's over a year later and people are still having difficulty adapting. And that's one thing that I always am referencing to my clients is that, 
you know, is it okay to still not be fully adapted? Why am I still Mm -hmm. struggling? And that's partly because things were always changing. It was hard to adapt. Yeah. Everything new, there was something new all the time. You know, as soon as you finally found peace with something, something else came out that we needed to be afraid of. And so in order to cope for myself, I had to really reevaluate my social media. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I needed to delete things from, you know, different people I followed or needed to maybe mute it for a while because that was my primary source of fear and anxiety. Just that fear of the unknown was the scariest thing. And I had to, you know, FaceTime with people and Zoom. And I was someone who, you know, took this seriously because I was very fearful for my family and um, my niece that was going to be born at the time. She wasn't born yet. So I was, you know, frightened for when she was and how I could have given it to someone and, you know, all those fears. So I was trying to control a lot of people around me. I felt that, you know, this person, you can't go here. You can't see me if, you know, whatever it was, totally took a toll on my anxiety. But like I said, I had to figure out like, okay, like, you know, what can I control? Mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest eye opener for me was, okay, I can't control other people around me. I can't control this pandemic, but what can I control? I can find, you know, for that short time at, everyone was finding a new hobby or, you know, feeling super motivated. And then they're like, Oh crap, this is longer than two weeks. You know, like this actually, I really actually have to get motivated. So I took it to the next step of like really looking into what motivation is. Mm. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit, but it was not easy to cope. I'm, I feel like I'm still kind of coping and that's okay. It's finding those support systems around you. That was something in my control, taking note of, you know, how am I doing each day? What can I do to better myself each day? Am I taking care of myself each day? I think those were the main things that I personally needed to focus on. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm hearing you say is having compassion for ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I always strive to like for myself and as well as people I work with, but like, are we leaving room for our compassion for ourselves? Or we do we have like high expectations? And I think for me, I'm like such a homebody, like I... I'm not gonna lie, like partying was like sick. Like I get to stay home. Like this is awesome. I don't have to go out if I don't want to. I get to like, you know, I had to work out from home, which is fine. Um, working from home was something I never did. And um, it was hard because when the when we first went to lockdown, I was just beginning my job that I have now. And I was like, okay, uh, I have no one here to ask questions. I hope I'm doing everything right. Like right. I kind of just there was nothing I could control, right? Like I mean, I like you said perfectly, I, I had to accept what it was in my control and what's not because right. the more that I fight what's not in my control, the more ang- anxiety I'm going to have mm-hmm. because it's just like trying to grapple at this things that n- that is never going to be grappled with. Um, and I, you're right. Like I, I'm a COVID bride, so I've had to postpone right. my wedding and you know, thankfully my fiance is very logical because we made that decision in May, which was three months earlier than our planned wedding. And I had a fear of like, what if everything goes back to normal and I could have had the wedding. Right. And that was a huge unknown, but I had to like, just take that, 
that jump and that leap of faith mm-hmm. from what I know now. And what I knew at that moment was we were not in the place to have a wedding. And I'm grateful we postponed it a full year. <laughs> um, definitely didn't regret it because obviously things weren't okay. And, you know, everyone would always ask me, like, what are you planning on doing? Or, you know, oh, this is, you know, weddings are never going to happen. And it was really oh. like, I didn't know what was going to happen. It was really scary. Um, And, you know, we had to, we bought a house in the pandemic and that was a different, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation to begin with. And then kind of adding the pandemic onto it, it was, it was a lot of stress, I have to say. Um, But, you know, I think you touched on it with like the, the need for support. Like we can't go through this alone. Yeah. And whether it's a partner, a friend, a family member, a coworker, you know, we're all going through this and we're not alone in this and it's okay to sit in the suck and sit in the unknown yeah. for a little bit. Like nothing's going to happen. Um, and I can't imagine, like I'm grateful I haven't lost anyone yeah. close to me in this uh, personally, but I can't even imagine. Like that's a whole nother ball game. Right. Um, so, you know, now things are kind of the restrictions are opening and it's, I know for me, it's like, I know I have to touch into like, what am I comfortable with? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's right. doing what's right for me. And I know for right. a lot of people it's hard. And that right there is so important. I mean, that was something like I was just saying, like I had to really learn that like we can't control other people. And if I take it seriously, other people don't, we can't control that. And also I can't judge someone for not doing it because mm-hmm. there were times where I may have not taken it as seriously because I didn't really know what to believe, you know? And it was a lot, there was a lot of guilt residing with that, or, you know, what am I doing? Am I killing someone? You know, it was to that extreme. Like, that's what we kind of thought for a little bit. And that was like the thing, right? Um, And to your point of like, you having a COVID wedding, it's also just showing like, people were just at such different, or your COVID bride rather, but, you know, just showing where people were, that some people were living, you know, alone. And I, being alone in such a lonely time, it's like, I couldn't even imagine so difficult and also just different. Like you were saying, like you're a homebody. So having this was almost like nice or like those introvert Mm -hmm. thoughts. That's so nice to have. And I'm someone who's, I need to like be out all the time. I feel, or I like needed to be go, go, go. And so this was hard for me to kind of isolate. I don't like to isolate, but it also taught me like different skills that I had or to kind of like be good with being alone yeah, a little bit. And, um, you know, just strengthening my relationships around me from afar in a mm. sense. Um, it definitely just goes to show, you know, I can only imagine, like you said, like losing someone and having to suffer with that loneliness of, and there was people who are not seeing people for this entire year. So it just is, again, showing like the different areas that people were hit and, you know, even just working with it hands on that. Okay. So I'm the COVID, you know, person right now and I'm hearing the different types of stories and it's like, that's so beyond me. I can't even imagine going through half the things. Oh yeah. It's like everyone's experience has been so different in the way they've been impacted mentally and emotionally. Um, and I think there's going to be some lasting impacts of it mentally yeah. and emotionally. Um, one of the questions we got, which we're going to have a Q&A segment in the end, 
But one that kind of ties into this is, you know, this person is working in the finance industry and there's a lot of pressure to work hard and, and working from mm-hmm. home while working hard can make it difficult with stopping the workday and taking that step away. And this person wrote that it was very draining after months on end and not great for mental health and how to cope with the inability to unplug when working from home. Um, uh, what do you think about that? That's really difficult because it was like, okay, so I'm home and how am I supposed to differentiate from me not checking my emails all the time? Yeah. Or, you know, this is different. He may have not done that, but it was, it's in the sense of like, how, how do I separate it? How do I know when to turn it off? And I feel that this is not something that is like, this is just a one word, easy explanation Mm -hmm. to that. I think people, even we work with are struggling with this and the times that we had to work from home and doing it to the point of, okay, what's the time limit I'm giving myself beyond work? to take care of myself when am I shutting down my laptop or shutting off my notifications on my phone from work to separate myself can I also put the wig where I'm working in a different area of my house is that possible right be somehow making it different because what happens is if we're doing something in our room you know online school working from home you know whatever you're doing it's your room becomes your toxic place for instance, and mm-hmm. that's where you're supposed to go to sleep. <laughs> that's right. where you're supposed to unwind. Right. And that's where you're supposed to unwind and just feel at peace. And the fact that you're working from there and, you know, being, you're having that, uh, that emotional high and low of high stress in your room. And so it's every time you enter that room, you're feeling that burden. So that's something I would always be urging people to do is separate where you're sleeping and you're working, mm-hmm. where you're eating and you're working. Cause people would eat in their room, sleep in their room, yeah. do work in their room, homework, all that stuff. So all those emotions are like totally in that area. And that's all you're triggering your brain to remember is every time I enter this room, I'm stressed. Right. So how do you and get away then? Our brain starts to correlate the feelings with where we are in our home. Yes. And like one thing I would ask them is, if you were in the office, would you be working after 5 p.m. or whatever time you get off of work? Probably no. Right. And hopefully no. But so why are you doing the same because you're home? And I think it's part of like because we quote unquote can. Right. You know, like sometimes I'm victim to checking my emails, but like I don't even answer and there's nothing. I realize there's nothing I can even do because right. we can't do anything from home. Right. So, you know. And also for me, like, I remember when I was back in grad school studying for me, like two hours was enough for me. Any more than that, my brain is mush and I can't focus. I wasn't useful. So are we even useful after, let's say, work hours are done? And maybe I can actually be more useful if I, like you said, set a time limit and I work within that eight hour day, whatever that looks like. And I like how this person is very aware of their mental health and, mm-hmm. and being aware of that. Because I think this person's not alone. I mean, no. how many kids, teens, adults, school, work, all of it. I mean, everything has become so enmeshed. It, it, it's, it's a lot to, and, you know, to, to manage. And I think it also just 
plays into the role of like, how are you being present for your family after Mm. or the people around you? And if you're constantly in work mode, like we're, I feel like we have different stages, meaning like we're front stage or backstage. Like we play different roles at work than we do at home. And like, we're just not that same person. So if we're constantly that work person, (laughs) we're not being present Mm -hmm. for our family. We're not being present for ourselves. We're not being present for our relationships, you know, whatever it may be, even your pets, whatever it is, right? (laughs) Like you're just not doing any favors. And like you said, can I be the best version of myself? Am I even being useful? And that answer is probably no. Mm -hmm. And that's going to bed with the stress of, I have to do this. And that's where, again, I would urge people to keep a notepad by their bed the things that, oh, I have to remember to tell Sue this blah, blah, blah about that email. Write it down. Yeah. Because mi- I'm someone who wakes up in the middle of the night and like, oh, I have to remember, remember, remember. Write it down. And it's mm-hmm. all of a sudden it does something where it's taking it out of your brain and putting it onto the paper. Same idea of journaling, of course. But mm-hmm. this is like a very, you know, quick, easy solution to just getting it out so we don't have to think about it. It's no longer taking up our sleep. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm a huge advocate of journaling. My clients are like tired of hearing me say, (laughs) but like a few of them are like, oh my God, this is the best thing like I've ever done in my life. And I've had that moment as well, because you're, you're right. It does take it out of our heads instead of kind of twirling around going, you know, having nowhere to go. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into some good questions about therapy and, some uh I guess barriers people have had and their questions and so stay tuned okay so a few questions I got when I posted on my story I actually got a lot more reactions than I thought because I felt a lot of people weren't going to respond about, you know, why aren't they going to therapy? And I put up another poll, but I think that we can kind of bring that into our next episode. But one of the questions I asked just in reference to what you were discussing too is, you know, why aren't people going to therapy or what are the reasons why they're not going to therapy? And a few, I got a few of the same answers actually. And a lot of it has to do with like, how do you choose the right therapist? Mm, yeah so what do you kind of think about that like how does someone choose the right therapist I know because there's like I mean we I guess know more about how to find one because we're in it but like to like a person not in the field like it's so overwhelming even knowing how like it's literally like a dating process like it is it's an interview process and just like you know there are so many avenues um I mean referrals are nice if you find someone that you trust that like has someone good in mind um there's psychology today which people don't I don't know if you know but you know if you go on psychologytoday.com you can literally search for a therapist in your area you can literally filter um by insurance gender specialty um uh a few other things and you and like the profiles have the therapist pictures, their credentials, a little bio about themselves, what they specialize in, um, what type of theories they practice in. And so you get like a nice little idea. And 
there's a ways to email them or call them and then you're able to chat with them a little bit. So that's the way I always recommend people to do. Um, and then confirming with your insurance company, if you want to go through insurance, um, because for me, I like to like put a face to the name, you know, yes, like, exactly. So it's so important to like find someone you jive with. Yeah. And exactly. So I love that you just said that because I think that it's so important to bring up that just because you have a therapist doesn't mean that you guys are going to connect. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they're, and I hate to say it like this, but you're maybe not a great therapist. Not everyone's super ethical. Not everyone is someone who can, you know, build a rapport with everyone Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And maybe the therapist isn't honestly connecting with that person too. Like it really is, like you said, a, a dating process in a sense. And you know, it's okay to break up with a therapist. It's okay to be like, you know what? I don't know if this is working, but mm-hmm. let's make it a thing to not make that ruin your whole experience. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people, and again, we'll get into this more next time, but I was seeing a lot of people say like, as to why they weren't is they met a therapist that they didn't connect with and it ruined their whole experience. Oh, which sucks, you know, it sucks. And you know, that is honestly like as a therapist, that's, a fear of mine too. Like, am I going to ruin this person's process? And it just goes to show like, you know, it's their, hopefully their fear too. Yeah. But they're going to try to do what they can to make it a goal to meet your needs. Or if not, if they feel like you can, and this is something we learned at school is to refer them out. Like if we feel like, you know, it's, we're not going to be able to fit their needs. Like, right. If I have someone who's more in your area mm-hmm. or, you know, your specialization, I'm going to probably refer them to you or, you know, mm-hmm. someone who specializes in that better than I can. Oh yeah. I refer people all day. If I like, don't feel comfortable, you know, um, That's hard. someone else would thrive or this person would thrive with them. Um, and you said stuff about the unethical. I mean, don't do what I did years ago. I stuck with <laughs> a therapist who would check his phone during session. Mm-hmm. And like during that time, I remember I was in grad school and I was like, Oh, like, this is a little weird. Like, I, <laughs> and I didn't tell anyone, you know, because that was obviously, it was such an awkward situation because you're like, um, yeah. is it supposed to go on? Like, what's kind of, and then finally I had the last straw and it was just like, I forgot what happened. Oh, okay. I remember now. Um, Like, he didn't feel like one of my issues were as valid as I felt. And mm. that's when I did my due diligence and I broke up with my therapist, which I should have done earlier. But you know what? I also didn't let that experience ruin my view of therapy. Um, thank God. So yeah. the ethical part is so important. Like if something seems like a red flag to you, it probably is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like break up with your therapist. I think that could be an episode in itself, but mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing to do. And if your therapist is checking their phone <laughs> during the session, leave, get out. It's not for you. If they're telling you to do something that you're not ready to do, that's not meeting your needs. That's not meeting where you're at. And, you know, take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) If it's something, you know, with the safety limit or something, that's obviously our priority is to put your safety first. And that's Mm -hmm. when we'll kind of segue you to do something. But, you know, if they're like throwing, we're not even supposed to really throw advice. So the fact that if advice is being thrown constantly and you're hardly able to speak Mm -hmm. really really reevaluate I remember I 
had a therapist who I could never get a word in. Oh, God. And I was like, I thought this was kind of about me. And all of a sudden, I started helping her. Oh, geez. And I was like, yeah, so I feel like this isn't what it's supposed to be. And it just, it wasn't a right fit. And I had to end up leaving. But I felt so bad. I didn't want to offend them. And, you know, but I was also fresh in school. So I knew certain things were not supposed to be happening. But if you don't know, it's like, go off your intuition, just like you would with other people. And what about, I have kind of another question toward this. What about dependency on a therapist? Oof. Oh yeah. That's a big one. I mean, I mean, because we're as humans, we are codependent to some level. And I think it's, if we ask yourself, if your therapist is going on vacation, how do you feel about that? And what do you feel are some skills that you can use while they're there? And, um, if, if you feel like you're scared that they're on vacation, you may not be able to survive. One, ask, some, ask them some tactics that you can use while they're away. But also, you know, maybe that's something to delve into, right? Yeah. Because that therapist is not going to be there forever. And the part about therapy is I want to eventually, you know, people aren't therapy for years, but I want to eventually internalize the skills I'm learning and and internalize the new mindset that I'm learning to thrive on my own um so the goal of therapy is to be independent yes the goal of therapy is to like build our own inner strength and heal um you know doesn't mean we can ever go back to therapy I've been in therapy a couple times on various different life situations life happens But I always remind people, like, you have the capabilities. Like, you do. I think it takes a lot to believe in ourselves. That's important. And that's the one thing I always try to, you know, make note of and just honestly prioritize. And when I'm speaking to my clients is that you already have all these skills. You have the tools. We just need to bring them out. And it's okay to, like, learn new things. And that's another piece of this is sometimes we're so set in our ways and, you know, we're not willing to see another side or, you know, we don't want to be open to expanding maybe that side of us that we weren't listening to conscious. Right. So that's something that you work through in therapy individually and feeling like you're heard finally goes such a long way. And once you feel that validation, once wow, this person is unbiased. And again, if your therapist seems really biased and they're showing that, please leave. (laughs) Please get out. If you feel like every time you're just like talking to them and they're half asleep, leave. You know, and Mm -hmm. those are the things that you want to pay attention to. But again, having that person to talk to where you don't feel judged and you don't feel like you're quote unquote crazy for being there you feel validated you feel like this is okay this is your safe place and that's honestly what I think you and I want to kind of create for this podcast and one of the reasons why we wanted to get into this is because we kind of noticed that trend of so many people who didn't feel like they had a safe place to just feel validated um and again not that this is supplementing individual therapy but just to preview what it could be like right you know, just noticing that we had so many questions about like, what would I expect when I'm in therapy? What do I expect? How do I know that they're going to get me? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what you said before, 
is I didn't want to get into therapy. I thought they wouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I'm being too sensitive or I can just get through this. Right. I think that's a main thing is I can just get through this. Yeah, I can do it all on my own. Or another mm-hmm. thing I hear is, oh, well, I have a lot of support in my life. I have my family, my friends, my partner, um, which is great. You know, it's huge. But they have a biased view. And it's because they care about you. It's because they've mm-hmm. known you for so long. But to have like that non-biased view and also the skills and training um, is completely different, you know, and that support network can be that that asset in your recovery process. But, you know, what else can we do to further ourselves? And I think one thing that opened my eyes when I asked the question about like, you know, what are some topics you would like for us to discuss in future episodes? How many concerns people had? And for me immediately, I'm like, oh, my God, like I felt so horribly everyone's all struggling like yeah like talk about therapy and you know I'm excited to like gain insight onto all these topics in the future yes and you know just like you said the skills go such a long way a lot of and I know I keep saying this but a lot of the feedback I got as to maybe why people aren't seeking it is they felt that they can talk to people on their own and that is so important don't get me wrong that's important to have that support system but are they teach helping you learn new skills? Are they mm-hmm. helping you adjust for your future and the present moment? Like those things, yes, you can Google it, right? You can look mm-hmm. on TikTok, you can look on Instagram. <laughs> and, um, that was a, I'll mention, I did a poll and I was shocked at a lot of people who, I don't really know if there's, whether I feel better or worse that people are educating themselves from Instagram or not. I think it's a great resource, like Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people said that they actually weren't, but there was a good amount that felt like that was their sole education. Wow. And that to me is saying that we're not doing our own individual work, right? right. And that's where we, we need the skill training and it's okay to learn more. It's okay yeah. to, even if, you know, you're 60 and not that that's old, but you're really set in your ways. And then you, you're seeking family therapy. I work with families who, you know, the parents are older. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping them kind of retrain, parents, even at that age. And it's hard. It's a hard adjustment. But, you know, it's a work in progress to be able to say, like, you know, like, I do need to figure out my individual self. I need to, you know, figure out this communication. Right? Yeah. Like, those are skills that we can't just learn from a podcast and mm-hmm. um, social media and just, you know, little thing, quick things to try to make it quicker or to make it um, easy fix. Rather, we need right. to do the individual work to have a better result, an everlasting result. Yes. Yes. And I think it's like, I don't know, maybe social media is instant and like therapy, even looking for a therapist takes work, which is why someone even asked that question. Um, yeah. So I feel like, you know, we covered a lot of things just in terms of kind of adjusting to our first episode of, you know, who we are and why we really wanted to start this podcast and, you know, a few questions you guys had and, you know, future episodes are not going to be like this per se. They're going to be changing whether it's interviewing someone or having Mm -hmm. a certain topic about maybe relationships or motivation or, you know, things that you guys have asked us to talk about. So we just wanted to kind of gauge this episode toward an introduction, really, and just kind of 
helping us kind of get our feet wet into what to expect and helping you guys know who we are. So we really appreciate, you know, you guys joining us for this and we hope to hear feedback from you and that you listen to future episodes. Rate, review, subscribe. I never thought I'd have to say that. (laughs) (laughs) We got a lot of topics. We're going to talk about stress, insomnia, body image, trauma, uh, anxiety, (laughs) trauma, addiction, um, LGBTQ matters. I mean, we're going to get into it. And, um, you know, we hope we can instill some sort of positive impact on everyone. Um, And we're going to probably release episodes on a biweekly basis as we get our feet wet. And yeah, so I hope to, well, we hope to see y'all next time. Until then, keep thriving.